Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Claire from Wild Ginger Running, the trail and ultra running YouTube channel. And this is the podcast version of my weekly live chat with an athlete, coach or other running expert. The link to the original film on YouTube is in the show notes. Check out my Instagram and YouTube channel for more training advice, inspiration and gear reviews. Everything is Wild Ginger Running and my blog is wildgingerrunning.co.uk. Support me on Patreon if you enjoy this free advice at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Enjoy this podcast and see you next week for more. Hi everybody, good evening. It's great to be here. It's Wednesday, it's 7pm today. We're a little bit later than usual because we are here with ladies, Bob Graham, record holder. It's Beth Pascal. Yeah. How are you, Beth? How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Awesome. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's been over a year, hasn't it? I think I saw you at the UTMB last year and um, and uh, we had an interview as well. Um, but you've been uh, going great guns ever since. So it's fantastic to have you on tonight. And congratulations, 14 hours, 34 minutes. That's a whole hour off Jasmine's time um, of 15 hours, 24 minutes. Oh, no, it's, an, it's more than an hour off. Minutes. It's an hour and 10. Um, <laughs> 50 minutes. Oh, I'm really bad at maths. <laughs> I'm so bad at maths. I was trying to work out how your time compared compared to George Foster's latest time. So you'll you'll have to um you'll have to let me know on that because I thought that was 50 minutes think, as well. well. It's roughly 50 minutes separating Killian to George and then George to myself and then myself to Jasmine. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll go with 50 minutes all the way around. <laughs> You're much better at maths than me. That was terrible maths. I've literally got it written here. 14 hours, 34 minutes for Beth. Jasmine, 15 hours, 24 minutes. And then I've written it now off. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Friday the 24th of July, it all happened. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about that mainly tonight. But first of all, I just wanted to get a little bit of your background in ultra running because Paul D. Hamilton says, um, I would really like to know a little bit about how Beth got into ultra racing to begin with. Okay, um, so probably rewinding about 
six or seven years now is when I first started running ultras. So I've always been a bit of a runner. I did cross country and athletics at school to like, I was okay at it. I was like the top of my school, I guess, and went to English schools cross country and that type of thing, but I was never anything particularly special. Then I went to university and I, and I was a rower, a lightweight rower at university. And I did that to a reasonably high level. And then I got to the point where training with that just wasn't compatible with the latter few years of medical school. So I quit rowing. And the next few years, I just did a little bit of running to just to kind of to keep fit to something that I could easily fit around um, medical school. And then my first few years of working as a junior doctor. Um, and then I discovered ultra running mainly through reading some books, actually. Um, the classic books that most people read. Um, I think my dad gave me one of the books, which, uh, and then I, yeah, but prior to reading some books, I had no idea that this sport existed. It never occurred to me that anyone ever tried to run longer than a marathon. And when I first started, it was, it was purely out of curiosity. Like, was it possible to run that far? Could I, could I do it? So it was nothing about trying to run fast or thinking that I could be good at it. It was, yeah, purely curiosity. I guess. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of took off from there, I suppose, gradually kind of started to take it a bit more seriously um, over little by little over the next six six years. Yeah, well, you've certainly come a long, long way. Um, um, and you've done um, the UTMB a number of times as well and Western States 100. Um, it's just been fantastic to watch um, the rise of Beth Pascal. Um, and <clears throat> have you got anything that you're kind of particularly proud of, like out of um, all of the races or the, or the records that you've, you've got? Um, this is a really difficult question. I, <laughs> if I could pick a like, top three, I would say UTMB 2018. Uh, when I was fourth, um, Western States 2019 when I was fourth again, <laughs> and then my Bob Graham record, I suppose. Yes, yeah, awesome. Three things yeah, to be really proud of. I think one of them out. I wouldn't say they're they're difficult to compare. I mean, well, certainly the Bob Graham is very difficult to compare to any races. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it was a cool thing to do this year. Yes, it is definitely, it's fantastic. And um, I'm just going to give you a little sense of who's watching live tonight because um, everybody else has been following what you've been doing and they're really excited. So we've got Chesney Smith, it's his first time watching live. Um, John Gardner's here and he's got some questions for you um, later that I'm going to ask. Um, and uh, Guy says, uh, Beth is amazing. Um, Alex Dehoto says hi. Um, Paul Hamilton's here as well. I just asked one of his questions as another one as well. Uh, ben Turner is here as well, and Philip Haddock as well. Um, and we've got a question coming from Ben Turner about training. So I'll, I'll we'll go through some training in a moment. I'll ask that question as well. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, let's talk a little bit about your training for the Bob Graham because um, I'm reading your blog, which is great. If anybody um, wants to have a look. It's bethpascal.com um, slash blog dash posts. Um, the Bob Graham Round one is a really nice one with loads of photos. Uh, it really gives a sense of, of how it went on the day. Um, but in training for it, you said you had a really good training block. Um, of what does that consist of? Like, have you got like a typical mileage or ascent that you have in, during the week? Um, what does it look like? Well, certainly it wouldn't have been 
it was a good training block, but it wasn't what you might typically, in a normal year, if you decide to do Bob Graham, it probably isn't what you would do, because obviously the first few months in March, April, May, we were in lockdown, so I wasn't doing that much ascent. So luckily we could still run, so I was still just running from my house. Um, I was doing lots and lots of loops of my local woods, like one kilometre loops, trying to uh, get as much vertin as possible. But where I live in Derbyshire, I mean, there are just small hills, really. I don't have big hills to run up and down. So I did my best to, to keep the training as specific as possible, but by no means was it um, was it like perfect training or great training for the Bob Graham. And then as soon as we were released <laughs> and were able to travel, um, I just did lots of running on the route. So um, as you know, we weren't allowed to stay overnight in, in the lake, so I was just doing day trips. So there was a lot of driving involved. And <laughs> when I drive, like do a lot of driving, I feel like I should, you know, the driving has to, you have to be running for significantly longer than you're driving for to make it worthwhile. So I was putting in a lot of, a lot of long days, like six, eight, ten hours um, on the course, um, but just once a week um, and the rest of the training I was doing locally. Um, and my mileage was, I mean, nothing spectacular, but for me it was quite a lot because I was working quite a lot at the same time, so I was probably doing between 100, sorry, 180 um, and, I think I did one 120 mile week, but yeah, somewhere between 80 and 90 miles um, with obviously a, a lot of vert in that as well. Um, and doing some some faster running and some hill reps and things in, in the week uh, between long runs. And then a, a bit closer to it, uh, we when we could stay overnight, I did a few back-to-back -back, um, runs on the course. So I, um, I did some back-to-back -back runs at Jasmine's Pace which was great for giving me the confidence um, that I could run that fast. So I might, so I think I did legs one and two on one day and then legs four and five on the next day. Um, then I think I did leg three another day. Um, yeah, and, and that was great because, yeah, for just giving me the confidence, I guess, because all my long runs prior to that had been um, hadn't been rushing. I'd been more focusing on um, getting to the route and and trying out different lines between the summits and things like that. Um, yeah, so that's roughly what what training looked like. Hmm. And so you did like eighty to ninety miles a week. Did you also kind of clock your ascent as well? Um, I mean, I I could look on Strava, <laughs> but I, I don't remember off. Yeah, because <laughs> some people like I know like Killian goes out and he like he trains. He doesn't look at his mileage. He just goes for the ascent. So I just wondered if that was something that you did as well. No, I mean I, I don't really look at like I don't try to run a specific mileage uh, at all. But that's just what I noticed. Mm -hmm. Mileage. Yeah. So um, it's all there on Strava. People can go and have a look, can't they? Well, actually, actually, I kept it private on Strava. Oh. <laughs> Main, not because I was doing anything wrong. I just thought it would. I didn't. I didn't want people to know about my attempt. And I, if I started logging all my recce's on Strava, it'd be really obvious like, to everyone <laughs> what I was planning. And um, yeah, and I didn't want the pressure of that. I guess. Yeah, that, yeah. that's it. 
yeah do it on the quiet and then just surprise everyone yeah it was really it was really lovely because there was loads of these FKTs popping up all during COVID and it just it gave everybody else something to something to be inspired by something to dot watch and it was just really great so yeah thanks for being part of that well, I, you know equally enjoyed following all the other FKT attempts that were going on as well so yeah yeah, it was super fun, wasn't it? And you said at the end of your Bob Graham, you found out that Damien had just smashed his FKT, so that yeah, just perked you up as well. He beat me by about 10 minutes or something in the end. So, yeah, he was in the final stages when I was in the final stages. Cool. But it was cool. Yeah, it's really nice to know, isn't it? Um, and we've just got a question coming in on the live chat here from Philip Haddock. Um, he says, when you did those recce's for the Bob Graham, did you do, like, uh, out and back? Um, routes or did you do circular routes like I know you did Jasmine's sections there but then did you sort of turn them into a circle or did you have a car at the other end like logistic wise how did that work? Yeah so most of the time I was on my own so I did circular routes yeah um, a, a majority of the time so I do like leg one and two and then take the shortest route back or maybe, maybe I didn't do leg one and two and run back maybe just yeah so mainly single legs and making it circular like some legs are quite easy to do that like leg four running out from Honister and then the quick way and then back. Um, but yeah, on, there were a few occasions near the end where I, when my husband was around and was willing to pick me up at the other end. Um, but yeah, not, not that often to be honest. Yeah, it's handy to have someone helping out like that, isn't it? And um, and uh, it was also interesting to see on your blog that you said that the absence of races helped in your training as well. Um, can you explain a little bit about that and, and why that was actually helpful? Mm. So I guess I had a, I ran a marathon in February, so that left March, April, May, June, July, basically five months of training and no races and, and normally you're you know you do a race and then you recover for a few weeks and then you build a training back up and have a training block and then you taper and then race again and so you normally go through that cycle you know I mean it varies but you know every two or three months perhaps um, and that that consistency has to Im impact on well that lack of consistency has to impact on training so I think it wasn't the fatigue of racing it was just that training consistently for that five month period which I haven't had before um, and I think you know that's probably a reason why a lot a lot of other records went because um, yeah because other people um, perhaps some before they'd race too much or, or maybe yeah just the training consistency so um, yeah for sure it made a difference yeah yeah it's like you could just focus on that one thing can't you and there's no nothing else to sort of distract you and get in the way um and but you must have been really busy at work um paul asks um uh, how does beth juggle her work-life balance as a doctor um she must have been even busier during COVID times or or wait is your um realm not really affected by that um so i'm a pediatrician so i can't say that during like those lockdown months that we were really really busy um with like with an you know more more because the hospitals are full of more patients and things um the cool thing about lockdown is that it doesn't eliminate corona just coronavirus it eliminates all other infectious diseases that affect children which is basically our whole workload okay. so we have fewer patients um 
but because because there was nothing else, no races and things, I was working more than I had before. So I was doing more hours at work and because of issues with staff having to self-isolate and things, that meant that, yeah, I was working more and longer hours and doing extra shifts and things, but actually when I was at work, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Um, compared to now when <laughs> when we're just, it's completely crazy and we're rushed off our feet all the time. So yeah, I was yeah I was working harder, but but not yeah the intensity was a bit less, which was maybe that meant that I was able to train better. I, I don't know, and and certainly I, I normally get ill a lot, um, and since <laughs> since uh, coronavirus arrived, I haven't been ill at all, wow. um, which I think is because of wearing PPE all the time, which is fantastic. So that probably contributed to training consistency as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? Like um, that a pandemic occurs, like this is really terrible. But then you're the wellest you've ever been um, because of all the measures taken. That's so yeah. interesting. I I'll probably jinx it now, and I'll, I'll get, <laughs> you get a horrible <laughs> cold. <laughs> well, 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 you have actually got an injury right now, haven't you? <laughs> um, so what you haven't suffered in colds and kind of flu kind of things, um, you have now got. So can you tell us a little bit about what's happening for you now? Um, yeah, so back in September, I was supporting a friend doing a Bob Graham. I had lots of favours to repay because all my supporters <laughs> had been good to me. So yeah, I was. Um, I just had an accident where I was running downhill in the dark quite fast in the wet conditions and I fell and twisted my ankle um, and yeah I assumed it was just a sprained ankle and then um, it wasn't really getting better so I got a, an MRI on it a few weeks later and found out that it, it was broken so I have a, a posterior malleolus fracture um, with injury to the posterior capsule so broken ankle with some soft tissue injury as well um, so I'm not running at the moment I've just been uh, spending hours and hours on the bike uh, um, but it's good it's getting better and I'm going to start running again very very slowly next week ah so that explains all the bike rides because John Gardner has picked that up and um, he's a fan <laughs> and he says Beth is posting bicycle rides on Strava recently and having great fun will she talk a little about her riding with us <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, Charlotte doesn't look very interesting at the moment because most of the bike rides have been in the gym. Um, <laughs> I've been going out on my mountain bike a bit, um, but but yeah, mainly I've been spending time on the Watt bike and in, in the gym, which is, um, it's just easier when it's dark and things or the weather's rubbish. And, and you can do, um, it's more time efficient because if you go out on a bike, there are downhills. <laughs> yeah. But gym, you can just you can go much higher intensity basically and get get more out of it. Yeah, you can go constantly uphill if you want to, and you're not going to fall off and break the other leg or break the other ankle. It's true. It's my other worry with mountain biking. I have fallen over a few times and tweaked my ankle, which has been been frustrating. But um, yeah, so I'm not, um, you know, completely hating the bike. So that's good. Yeah, that is good. And like in your training, like I don't know now that you've got the broken ankle, like this might be more of a thing. But um, do you also do any weight training? Like, did you during your um, 
during your Bob Graham lead up and, and or do you do any now? I do a little bit. I, I'm not sure I'd call it weight training. Um, it's not like I'm squatting massive weights or anything, but a few uh, like strengthening, strength and conditioning. So some, some body weight exercises um, and a few things involving some dumbbells, like some step ups and split squats and things. Um, and most of that I could, I can do at home. So I kept that up um, when gyms were closed and things. Um, yeah, so a little bit, um, but nothing. Yeah, maybe, maybe you know, it's about four to five minutes, a couple of times a week. Um, yeah. Mainly focusing on my weaknesses. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's 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 good. I don't completely hate that either. Yeah, it's nice to have a bit of variety in that, isn't it? And um, and do you, do you also um, Adrian Orange on the live chat here? He just he says, um, how important is stretching and mobility type of exercises, like especially with the high mileage that you were doing, and also with that being sat in the car for so long? That's a really interesting question, actually. Um, I do zero stretching. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm really really stiff. I, I'm one, yeah. I'm really like I'm one of those people. If I lean over to stretch my hamstrings, I can barely get past my knees. Um, so I I don't think it's important, <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't, don't know for sure. It's something <laughs> I never do, and I don't really do mobility exercises except for now just stretching my ankle and things. Um, but but yeah, no, I I, I don't do it. <laughs> Just a simple answer. Yeah, oh, interesting. I was um, I was speaking to one coach who was like, well, if you uh, line runners up in a row, um, you get all the stretchy people on that side and all the non-stretchy fast runners on this side, um, who's going to be the faster runner, the people who just train at running more or the people who train stretching more? And I was like, oh, yeah, probably the people who train at running more than stretching. Um, but, yeah, I suppose for, for different people it's different. Um, some people need to stretch more than others. Um, I just do it because it feels nice. <laughs> I just I like you know that kind of oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah. I, I I don't know. I've never really stretched a lot. I've always just been really really stiff. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference for runners. And I I certainly think that being too flexible is a bad thing for runners. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Cause, like, do you, does your um, you know, uh, you're a doctor, a pediatrician. Does any of your medical knowledge um, feed into your running? Um, Alex Dehoto has got this question. He says, does it help Beth to have a deeper understanding, like, of the body and its processes? I suppose so. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is <laughs> doesn't have anything. It, you know, it's not applicable to running at all in any way. Um, and my knowledge of you know running injuries and bones and muscles and ligaments is pretty poor because <laughs> that's just not what I do um but yeah like having a basic understanding of physiology I think helps if you're the type of person that likes to understand why you do things I'm not saying that you can't be a really good runner and train really well without having that knowledge but um for me like if, if I do a session I like to know what I'm trying to achieve by doing that um, and that's when I guess having a basic knowledge of physiology and things kind of helps um, and maybe I, I don't know if someone suggests um, 
wacky new exercise or diet or something that I I can be like well that's clearly a load of rubbish it makes no sense at all <laughs> uh, then maybe it helps in that way yeah so you're not like easily duped by like the latest fitness fad or anything or nutrition fad yeah exactly yeah yeah examples <laughs> but, but yeah but yeah I you know there are plenty of people who it's not necessary to have that knowledge to be to be a good runner for sure yeah um and um and uh, so everybody's very concerned about your injury. Um, and Paul says, um, that injury sounds horrible, Beth. Do you worry about your fitness reducing over time? But I suppose you're getting in the gym and doing the, the biking. Um, no, I don't really worry, if I'm honest. Um, I feel quite fit at the moment from all the cycling. Um, and I've got no races um, lined up. So um, if... Like I'm not losing fitness. Certainly, when I start running, I'll lose that specific fitness and things that will get to take a while to get back into it. Um, but I'm hoping that having a break and doing cycling will do me more good than harm. Um, certainly, you know, if it was the middle of a, it was the summer and it was a normal year, then yeah, I'd be. <laughs> I'd be really upset about it and yeah I would be would be worrying but no I'm not right now it I mean, there's nothing I can do about it I've just kind of accepted it um and yeah I feel lucky that it's happened now rather than at any other any other time um yeah yeah it is lucky <laughs> it yeah in some ways it's it's good and yeah some people are chomping at the bit to get back to races but anybody who's injured is just like oh phew <laughs> um and uh, we've got a question from uh, from toddy um he says have you ever felt like really low mentally during one of these long runs that you do um he's he wants to know like what's your way of getting through that and i suppose you um in your blog you said there was a low point around leg three like the first three summits where you were only just hitting the splits of um so uh so yeah how do you kind of pull yourself through these uh, times when you have these low patches yeah, I think in the Bob Graham, that's probably a bad example because I actually I felt pretty good the whole way through. Um, uh, in yeah, I've had low points in races, um, and I think what I tend to do is kind of break it down into chunks. Um, so if and I know from experience that having a low point in a race, it it's you can't extrapolate that. So if you're feeling um, you know like really crap at, at 10 miles it doesn't mean you're going to feel twice as bad at 20 miles and three times as bad at 30 miles you yeah I know from experience that it doesn't work like that and you might have a low point but things get better so I think yeah experience helps and um, and I'll, I'll use the example of UTMB and uh, last year when I was having a really bad time um, at 10 miles and at 20 miles and at 30 miles <laughs> and I got to like I think I, I told myself that every checkpoint I said well I'll just get to the next checkpoint and I'll see how I feel then and if I'm still feeling bad then well I'll reassess the situation maybe I'll stop um, and I told myself that as soon I as soon as I was outside of the top 10 which was my kind of I, for me I didn't feel the need to finish the race in oh, beyond 10th place because I'd done it better before there was there's no need for me 
to do that. And that's something I've decided in advance. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, I had those rules in my head. If I was still feeling bad and I was outside the top 10, I would, I would, I would stop. And, and then all I had to think about was the next 10 miles or the next 15 miles. And then I got to that point and then eventually I started to feel a little bit better again. Um, and I just kept going like that and only thinking, so at times I was so sure that I was going to stop at the next checkpoint. I never had to think beyond that. So it never got too overwhelming, overwhelming in my head. Um, yeah, and I think I I also think about um, in, in a lot of these long races, I think about all the people that have helped me get there, uh, and that kind of keeps me going as well. I think about you know the sacrifices my husband has made, um, spending all his annual leave oh. <laughs> coming to me, or uh, and I think about like all the. Uh, my coach and how much work he's put in to get me on the start line and things like that and yeah those things help as well yeah that's a really good strategy um, um people are saying yes it's it's very they like your matter of fact attitude there so um some really good advice <laughs> coming out through this as well and i just want to say that you did come fifth in the utmb that year that you weren't feeling so good so so that's a that's pretty awesome <laughs> for a time when yeah. you're not feeling so good so it just goes to show doesn't it that you don't have to be feeling good even for the first 30 miles on things like this you shouldn't never give up is is basically what you're saying <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and especially in ultra running, that you know, crazy things happen. And on that day, everyone just had a worse day than well, most people except for four people had a worse day than me. Um, so yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, you never know. And also, you'd only just like done the Western States 100, hadn't you? And you'd come forth at that. And um, John Gardner says, um, I will never forget that remarkable 2019 back-to-back -back placing top um, in the within the top five, so fourth at Western States 100 and UTMB. Um, what are her recovery secrets? He says nu recovery nutrition secrets in particular. Do do you have any? Um, I saw you drinking a beer after the uh, Bob Graham. <laughs> um, I'm sorry to disappoint. I have no secrets. <laughs> oh, you, well, just make some up. <laughs> nutrition. Cool. Um, no, I, I mean, I just do the normal things like eat a lot and rest a lot. Um, I, yeah, I, um, I think I... I know now because I've been through the process lots of times like doing a 100 miler and then recovering and I have like a test session that I know if I can run that well and feel good then I'm then I know I'm ready to start um, like training properly again so for me that training session is a two-hour um, moderate pace run so moderate pace being like comfortably hard um, and I know if I because I've, I've done it a bit too soon before and I feel after 90 minutes like this is I'm you know I'm really struggling here I know I'm not recovered but if I can finish my two hours running at a decent pace and I feel strong at the end then I know I'm ready um, so but that's just something I've I've learned I mean it was never designed to be like a test session but I've yeah it's something that I've kind of discovered probably works for me um, mm. and, and yeah it might I'll probably do that session Two and a half weeks, three weeks, maybe after a hundred miler, um, and then if it goes well, I can start training again properly. 
Ah, so you have like a little test and then, and so if, if you're finding it like super hard, you then kind of back off and then do it the next week. Um, yeah. And, and obviously, yeah, like I don't stop running completely. I'll be running again, you know, doing just easy runs, short, easy runs um, up until that point. Yeah, but not actually like on the training plan I'm training. Um, okay, well, John Gardner says, um, eat a lot and rest a lot. I can do that. <laughs> he says, do you prefer a light beer or a stout? Uh, yeah, pale, pale ale is what I'd go for. Yeah. Nice. Well, they're on Beth's blog. You must look at it, um, bethpascal.com. Look at her Bob Graham blog. Um, it's got a lovely picture of uh, you with your Garmin watch on drinking this lovely big pint of beer and then your time of, for the Bob Graham of 14 hours 34 on it. I just thought that was a really nice kind of just puts yeah. everything into perspective, doesn't it? it? Was, well, I'll correct you that it's a Sinto watch. And oh, sorry. I, think, <laughs> I don't think they're watching, it's okay. Um, <laughs> they will now. <laughs> uh, Sam, Sam, the photographer, was able to um, enhance it. I don't know what he did. Bring oh. them, make the numbers look more clear. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, because sometimes with the reflection you can't quite get. Oh, I haven't got. But yeah, the the reflection you can't get it, can you? So, yeah, that's. Uh, she could have changed the numbers. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and oh, we've got another question um, coming on the live chat from Ben Turner. Um, he would like to know if you ever use a sauna or an ice bath for your recovery as well. And you ever get into a lake or anything post race? Um. Ice bath, no. I hate the cold. <laughs> I'm not sure. Even if, even if I knew it was going to help me, I'm not sure I could do it because I'd hate it so much. Yeah. Saunas, so, on, on the other hand, I enjoy. Um, yeah, I. I mean, there hasn't been much sauna use this year for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I I enjoy a sauna, and if I'm in the gym and the sauna is available I will frequently use it um, I think for recovery I, I don't know whether it helps recovery I don't know the evidence for that I think that when I've been training for races in the heat before so in the build-up to Western States doing like a hard session in the gym then going straight in the when so doing a hard session and getting your body temperature up high and then going into the sauna for 20 minutes or so is good heat training it teaches your body to to start sweating earlier and, and those types of things, so that's useful. Um, so I've mainly used it for yeah heat adaptation in the past, um, but but yeah recovery it probably helps, um, I, I, and I just enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, do what you like. <laughs> Maybe that's why you don't need to stretch as much because you've uh, gone in the sauna. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe who knows. Um, and uh, and I'm quite interested uh, about your food just in general. Um, Matt H has a question. Um, can you tell us about your nutrition on the day of the Bob Graham? Like, what did you eat when? Did you eat different things at checkpoints than you ate on the way around? Um, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I um, ate predominantly spring energy gels, which are gels that. Uh, so they're not like your standard maltodextrin based gels there um, they contain more complex carbohydrates so they're mainly there's different flavors but they're mainly pureed rice with some fruit and things like that okay. um, so more slow release carbohydrate and I've been using them for a few years and all my races and they're amazing 
yeah, really amazing. So where, that's what I ate whilst I was running. Um, I So that that's what I gave my cases to carry and things. And I had one of them every about every 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Um, and I also had my drink was mountain fuel. So I drank that as well for the extra extra carbohydrate. And then at the, I'll say checkpoints and checkpoints, um, I, didn't, I didn't really stop at the checkpoints. So I think I had a glass of Coke at most checkpoints and maybe a bite of something else. Can't actually remember. Maybe like a little bit of banana bread or something like that. Um, but yeah, I was reliant, like, you know, 95% was spring energy gels and a few other bits and pieces just for variation. But yeah, I, I didn't really need that, to be honest. I can, yeah, I know that I can do 100K on just gels, spring energy gels these days. So, yeah. Oh, that's interesting because um, Nikki Spinks, she goes like the whole other way, doesn't she? Like fish and chips, yeah. baked beans, rice pudding, like uh, tin peaches. Yeah. A lot of the things she's done recently have been much longer challenges. Um, and I think maybe you need it for doing longer things um, at a lower intensity. But if you're running at high intensity, it's chewing is kind of difficult. So you just want something that you can put in your mouth and swallow. Um, for me, anyway. Um, but but yeah, a longer thing that I'd have have more solid food. But I don't I don't need it, and I don't feel yeah. I think it'd be harder harder to get down. Yeah, and harder to digest, and yeah, and you have to work out what works for you, doesn't it? Like that might not work for someone else. Like I know this guy. I'm sure um, a guy recently did a triple Bob Graham, and I think um, somebody told me that he did it on like against just pasties and. Um, I don't know, and coke all the way around, or something like really, really funny. <laughs> uh, but he did it. Yeah, yeah, whatever works for you. Yeah, whatever works for you. <laughs> and um, and you mentioned um, that you were giving this food to your patients to sort of hand out to you on the way. Um, what do you look for in um, a really good pacer and a really good support crew at those road crossings? Um, so the pacers. The main, you need to have at least someone on each leg who knows the route. Um, so even though I knew the route well myself, I wouldn't consider myself like an expert, you know. So I had, um, and, and also when you're, when you're do, doing your round, it's useful to have, it's quicker to run behind somebody. So you're, you can just look at the ground or the ground, you know, five to ten meters ahead and you're not the person looking or with the compass or... Yeah, you can just run a bit faster if you're following. So having someone who knows the route really, really well um, is really helpful. Um, and, yeah, then someone who is your pace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want someone off up there going, come on. Someone who's available on a Friday with 24 hours notice. Yeah. That's to get the criteria. Yeah. <laughs> um, did your husband help out with the car, um, uh, the, the road crossings, or was that just another um, couple of people? Uh, uh, he was at most, yeah, he was at, well, it was split between my parents and him. So he did a few of the road crossings, but then he also went up Broad Stand, oh, yeah. um, which is the climb between uh, Scarfell Pike and Scarfell that requires a, a rope, basically a fixed rope and a harness. So he had to go. He went up there with his friend Joe Farnell, 
and they rigged up that, which meant he couldn't be at all the road crossings. So I had to trust my parents to be in charge, which was a bit nerve wracking. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they were great. Um, so it all worked out well. Yeah. Is that because they haven't done much of that kind of thing before? Um, well, they couldn't use that as an excuse because they have been to quite a lot of races. In fact, they, they love it and it's difficult to keep them away from races. Oh, they're, just, they're just kind of three spirits. Uh-huh. They, um, I don't know, They, you, I could see them being like, oh, at Wasdale um, and thinking, oh, well, she's not going to be here for another hour. We can go for a quick nip up, you know, yeah. and we'll still be back in time. And I, I don't know, they just, <laughs> um, yeah, Matt, my husband gets anxious when they're around because they try and yeah, they, I don't know, they lose track of time and they're just, yeah, they're just kind of free spirits and get a bit too excited about the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> bless them. Like a puppy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Excited, but they, excited but, children. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they sound fun. But yeah, you need someone who's kind of going to definitely going to be there and be like, right, okay, where's the stuff? Ah. <laughs> it's definitely like having supported Sabrina um, on her Pennine Way FKT just recently. It is really stressful being support. <laughs> so yeah. it's really hard work, isn't it? Um, I know. I mean, I haven't done it that much, but I have supported uh, Matt. He did a paddy the other the other year, and yeah, I found it really stressful. Really stressful. Yeah, and I almost think it's easier things. to just do the running. <laughs> oh, absolutely, it's, and that's one of the most basic types of support you can do. But going to a race in another country where there's thousands of other people around, yeah, it's it's horrendous. Much yeah. easier. To do. Yeah, yeah, like I can imagine supporting someone on the UTMB would be really difficult, having to drive to all those different places and you don't really know where you're going, you're driving on the right, it's the middle of the night, oh yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, you've just, uh, yeah, broadstand, um, that, so that sounded um, really quite difficult, you know, like after 40 miles in your legs, trying to then climb, um, how, how was that in terms of like just doing something completely different? Did you feel kind of secure doing that? Yeah, it's. I think a lot of people underestimate broadstand, um, and yeah, when you're when you're. I had done it in training, but I'd never done it. I'd done it with fresh legs, and never under no other circumstances do you ever do a climb having run for forty miles. So some people just um, uh, just tie a sling around them and go up. Um, but I had. I was in a harness, um, so it, I never felt unsafe. But still, it was, yeah, it was surprisingly hard work. Like, yeah, it was a lot of effort to get up. Yeah. Um, even with a fixed rope and a harness and things. Um, and, yeah, uh, after that, I got some cramp in my in my quads and things. And interestingly, so did um, uh, Shane Oley, who just who came up across down with me. And both of us, after that, we got cramp from the strain of the climb, I think. Wow. Because he's a really good climber, isn't he? Well, he, he was in his youth, a really good climber. Yeah. That's it. And so had you done that climb before? You've done a lot of wrecking of the route, but had you done that specific climb, practiced it? I had, but only, only once. Most of the time in training, I went I went round. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had, had gone, done it just for as much as for Matt to get to know it as much as me, because he was going to be rigging it up for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was definitely useful to do it. Um, in advance, just so I knew what I was letting myself 
in for um, because yeah I think it's something for most people it's probably not worth doing because it doesn't save you very much time um, and and if you're not an experienced climber it will probably slow you down more than anything um, yeah so oh that's good to know that you can just go around um, is it a fox's tarn that you go around I, I, I know I went that way when I did it uh, I mean there's fox's tarn or there's Lord's rake oh. or there's the I'm going to get this wrong the eastern traverse which is a bit of a sketchy yeah that sounds even more terrifying <laughs> I might have got that wrong but it's something like that um, yeah. yeah brilliant um, so you did it that way um, and uh, people were presumably uh, carrying all that kit for you and I was just wondering if you had um, a favourite bit of gear. I know you didn't have to wear a pack when you were doing the Bob Graham, um, but uh, Florence Maskell has the question. She says, I'd be curious to know what is Beth's favourite recent running gear purchase? Um, or if Salomon gives you all your stuff, then what's your latest um, uh, piece of gear from Salomon or, or Sundo? Uh, yeah, so the probably, I mean, my favourite shoe is that I have, it's been my favourite food for many years and they've just brought out a new version is the Salomon S-Lab uh, Ultra, Ultra 3 I think it is now, mm -hmm. um, which is, yeah it's awesome, I, I love it, I've, I wear it for all my 100 mile races um, and most of my training, yeah it's just an amazing shoe um, and it's now out in a kind of purpley colour um, and it's got a nice, I should have, I don't have it handy, um, a kind of um, the the top is kind of like all not elasticated, but it hasn't got a like a built-in gaiter. But the top kind of it's almost like a sock, so it stops stuff getting in, um, which is like the new thing in in the new shoe. Um, yeah, it's really really cool. Awesome. Does that come slightly up the ankle with a bit of a zip? Is that the one? No. Oh, no, that's a different shoes like that. This is no. It's the same height. But it's just got a bit of a softer bit at the top where it kind of, um, yeah, stops stuff getting in. Mm. Oh, that I'm sounds sure really good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a shoe. it's a good shoe. Yeah, I've never worn a shoe like that, but yeah, I've, I've seen that people can get gaiters on top as well. I've just always put up with stuff getting in the shoe, so maybe that's something to try. <laughs> sure. Um, and then um, on the live chat we've got Hannah Greenlee, um, she says, have you had the opportunity to run as part of a professional team event um, with Salomon, presumably yes, um, if so what's it like on one of those uh, Salomon um, team event trips? Like a, um, like a training camp or something, I presume she means? Yeah, yes. I suppose so, yeah, training camp or maybe when you all go to a race together and there's like a whole team of Salomon folks on the start line. Um, yeah, uh, so we were supposed to have a two-week training camp this year, which obviously got cancelled. Mm. Um, uh, last year I went on a camp uh, with some of the girls who were also doing the UTMB, so we ran the course over five, four days. Um, and that was really, really fun. Um, people like Emily Forsberg were there, Mimi Kotka, Miao Yao. Um, so it was really cool to run with um, those those girls. Um, it was it was it was quite competitive. 
um, which I didn't really, more competitive than I thought it would because, you know, we're running 100 miles, like no one's really racing each other. I didn't think people were racing each other on the training camp, but yeah, it was more competitive than I thought, but in a kind of, in a fun and kind of playful way, mm. I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was great. Um, and hopefully, hopefully more to come next year. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope everyone can start meeting up again soon. Um, and um, and just going back to the Bob Graham, um, you said uh, in your blog that you felt fresh at the end. Um, so, and but you're not going to, you're not thinking of attempting it anytime soon again. Um, but what, how far do you think that women's record can go? I mean, do you think it could go like 50 minutes faster and, and beat George Foster and Billy Bland even? Um, what do you reckon that women could achieve if it was, you know, less, less kind of, it was a bit boggy and wet when you went round, wasn't it? Yeah, um, that's a really interesting question. Um, and I don't see why if a female version of Killian came along that, that it, you know, someone couldn't knock a significant amount of time off. I think the thing that's kind of unique about the Bob Graham is that you need to be an ultra runner and a fell runner and there are lots of fell runners that are much quicker than me but they are probably not so good over 100k and there's lots of ultra runners that are quicker than me but they're probably not so good on the technical terrain so actually there aren't that many people who can put both together um so yeah i don't i don't know i mean there's one or two people i have in my mind and who I think, you know, if the moment came that they could challenge my record, but there, but there aren't that many. Um, certainly, of, of course, one day someone will break the record, you know, by, by a long way. That's just what happens. Um, but I, I don't know. I like to think that it won't happen very soon. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, and as we learned from this year, a lot of records that we thought were untouchable um, have. Um, have proved not to be so we'll see we'll see yes ah interesting interesting um I wonder if anyone could go as far as Killian's 12 hours 52 minutes for the women <laughs> maybe that's stretching it a little bit <laughs> yeah but definitely like when a woman gets as far as Billy's 13 13.53 time then that would be a really exciting moment wasn't it like just as George Foster beat him with that um for 13 hours 44 just recently that was really exciting so only 50 minutes behind that I mean you know if you got a dry day and everything just went perfectly then I mean who knows what could happen for the women who knows no yeah exciting yeah um and just running in just if you could just take yourself back to that moment where you were running in like up to moot hall through keswick high street it's it's such an emotional moment isn't it like if people people come out of pubs don't they when they hear about it and they're just like yay and it's all cheering and it's just wonderful um how did it feel to finish in those those final couple of couple of minutes just running up the road there yeah it it felt really really good um it it felt different to you know when you run in on a race because you know that every person there is there to see you run mm -hmm. and in a race you know that's never the case um yeah so that i think that made it really special um and yeah clearly there weren't as many people around as 
they might have been in a normal year or if I'd actually told people I was going to do it beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still a fair few people turned out and yeah, it felt it felt amazing and I think it um, it felt even better because of I'd had a pretty stressful couple of weeks beforehand and even it wasn't until the day before that I knew it was definitely going to happen because I changed the day last minute because of the weather and so yeah it was a, just a huge relief um, and and yeah it had been a, like a tough year as it was for everybody and that finally something had gone well um, yeah it, I think that made it more more special I would say um, yeah yeah yeah, it certainly looked really great at the end. Like, you looked quite emotional as you were on the steps. And, and... I, I was. I was fighting back the tears. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is it's an amazing moment, isn't it? Um, and um, and so, obviously, this is always the question people ask to, ask to end an interview. Um, what are you thinking about next? Um, for example, Paul Hamilton says, is Beth interested in any other FKTs at all? Um... If races are happening as normal next year, then I will be racing. Um, if races are not happening, then yeah, yeah, I will, I will do something else. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, not optimistic that the big races will be on next year, but I, it's always good to have a, a backup plan um, psychologically as much as anything. I think so. Then, if things don't happen this way the way we hope then then it's not too much of a blow um, so yeah there are some other fell running records that I I would go for um, not giving anything away <laughs> it's a secret <laughs> it won't happen and I'll be I'll be racing yeah uh, do you know what particular races um, have you picked them already or, or is that um, confidential as well until we look on your blog and yeah, I mean, I was, I'm Hopefully I'll do what I plan to do this year. So um, in uh, Lake Sonoma, which is a race in Cal uh, California in April, and then leading on to Western States in June, and then leading on to UTMB. Um, so that will that will be the plan. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see for 2021. So, so how can people follow you? I know you've got a blog, you're on social media, and um, just let everyone know how they can um, sign up and follow you. Yeah, I think Instagram is probably the best place. Um, I luckily I don't think there are any other Beth Pascal's <laughs> on many of the social media platforms. So, just searching for my name is the best place to find me on Instagram, Facebook, and. I'm on Twitter, but I rarely use it. And then, yeah, I have a, a website, which again, I, I don't write blogs very often, um, which is bethpascal.com. Um, yeah, that's it. Awesome, and it's Beth Pascal with two L's. I have put it at the bottom of the screen on YouTube, but if anybody's listening to the podcast version of this, um, then Beth Pascal is, um, it's P-A-S-C-A-L-L, -L. that is correct, is it? Yes. Fantastic. Um, well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for speaking to us tonight, Beth. It's been real, a real pleasure to have you on. Um, congratulations once again on that Ladies Bob Graham record. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and yeah, wishing you the best for 2021. I hope those races happen. Well, thank, thanks a lot, Claire. Awesome. See you soon then. Bye.
Bye. Hi, it's Claire here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. These live chats take place every Wednesday evening at 6.30pm UK time on World Ginger Running YouTube channel. And the link is in the show notes. I just wanted to let you know that you can find this and loads more advice and inspiration and gear tests all about trail and ultra running on my YouTube channel, Wild Ginger Running. There are training tips, advice from elite athletes, top coaches, nutritious recipes, key exercises, injury prevention information, and tons of trail kit reviewed from running packs to poles, waterproofs to head torches, GPS watches, and shoes, 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 and did I mention shoes? I've been going for a few years now, so there's a huge archive of content to help you out with your trail and ultra running. To quickly and easily find the information you need, simply type your query into the Google search box and then write wild ginger running after it. Then Google will show you whatever blog posts or films I have on that topic. Give it a try. And if you appreciate listening and all the information I share on YouTube, you're also very welcome to support me on Patreon, which gets you some additional excellent perks and the chance to win some awesome prizes. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee every month, patrons get discounts, extra films, access to the exclusive Facebook and Strava groups, the chance to ask questions to every live chat guest, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 150 patrons, so the odds on a win are way better than the lottery. Interested? Find me at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.